Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Oh, good afternoon. How are you wherever you are? Thank you so much for making us a part of uh, your day. Uh, It's Tuesday, June 21st, the year 2022. It's the first day, official day of summer. Um, But the heat, uh, it just keeps on keeping on. 95 degrees as we speak in Lafayette, partly cloudy skies. Uh, Rainy conditions coming from 3 to 4 p.m. And then some partly cloudy cloudy skies after that. It's going to get blazing 99 this weekend. Woo! Summertime is here. Also here is my main man, James Mesh, who is back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also 1041 in Lake Charles. We are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber in the Acadiana area. And we are also um, streaming at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, on this uh, Tuesday, uh, baseball front, uh, College World Series front row center stage. It's an elimination game going on as we speak. In the top of the third, the Texas A&M Aggies have put two on the board in this inning. They lead Notre Dame to zip. Coming up tonight, winner's bracket matchup, Arkansas versus Auburn. They're in the, uh, well, it's um, it's an elimination game for uh, Arkansas um, because well, it's an elimination for both of them. Excuse me. Here we are in the bracket, top bracket, Texas A&M with one loss, Notre Dame with one loss. Texas has been eliminated. Oklahoma in the catbird seat with no losses to their name. In the lower bracket, Stanford's been eliminated. Auburn and Arkansas, each with one loss. Ole Miss with no loss. So Oklahoma, Ole Miss, sit back. They will await the winner of the games going on today. Um, And uh, and Ole Miss uh, on a proverbial roll, to say the very, very least. But the updated score, um, Texas A&M 2, Notre Dame zip, coming up tonight, 6 o'clock start, Arkansas, Auburn, Elimination game in both of them. Meanwhile, on the LSU front, um, you win some, you lose some. LSU lost their eighth player to the transfer portal when Will Safford added his name yesterday. He started at second base in LSU's season opener, but made just six appearances this season, going 0 for 5 at the plate. He played in 26 games in 2021 and was just 3 for 35 at the plate. Um, So... Not surprising that Will Safford's looking elsewhere to try and go play. Um, you win some, and the Tigers won infielder Jack Pineda. 
who posted a picture on Twitter of himself in Tigers gear at LSU's athletic facility. Uh, this um, was a former Baylor Bear, hit 300 with seven homers last season. He's also a good infielder. He committed just eight errors in 54 games, was an all-Big 12 honorable mention. So considering that Kate Doty is uh, high in the um, draft stock order, uh, Pineda might serve as a nice addition to an LSU infield that's seen several reserve players hit the transfer portal recently. So that's that's good. Um, more good news. Dylan Cruz, Jacob Berry picked up more postseason honors. Cruz was voted an ABCA first-team All-American. Berry received third-team All-American recognition. You heard in the two-minute drill... Uh, about Stephanie Rempe, and you may not know who Stephanie Rempe is. And that's not a bad thing, because most of the people that get the job done effectively and efficiently are people behind the scenes that you never, ever hear from. She has been Scott Woodward's right-hand man from his time as the athletic director at Washington to his time as the athletic director at Texas A&M, and now to his time as the athletic director at LSU. She's the executive deputy athletic director, chief operating officer, um, and she's going to be the athletic director at Nevada. Don't be surprised if somewhere down the road, if Scott Woodward decides he's had enough or whatever, if Stephanie Rempe is not considered to be the athletic director at LSU down the road. She's very, very good. She does not desire the notoriety, the attention, but she's there every day, and she has helped in the process of hiring coaches. She's helped in the process of the uh, sexual assault charges that have taken place. She's been through an awful lot. And she is uh, very, very good at what she does. And besides hiring coaches, this is going to be one of the biggest jobs that Scott Woodward has to, to fill. He, this is going to be a, a tough one to replace without question, without doubt. I'm a big, big fan of Stephanie Rempe. I think she is, um, she is terrific, brilliant at what she does. She oversaw every, every facet of the daily operations um, at LSU and worked behind the scenes on several of the high-profile coaching surface uh, searches. Um, she helped navigate the financial strain of the COVID-19 pandemic. She created the school's NIL program. She led the department's response to social justice movements and supervising the internal changes after the mishandling of sexual assault and misconduct claims. So she's good. And this will be, this will be interesting uh, to see where Scott Woodward goes from here. So uh, his right-hand man uh, is, is gone. Uh, the NBA draft is coming up on Thursday, two days from now, uh, three LSU players, um, with the potential of being drafted, I think one will be. Terry Eason is projected to be a mid-first-round pick. 
Uh, and depending upon who you speak to, Darius Days may be a second-round pick or he may be one of those uh, unrestricted free agents that signs with a club. And then there's Shaq's son, Sharif O'Neal. Uh, we will talk with John Chepkevich one more time, our NBA draft analyst, and uh, get the lowdown on the upcoming NBA draft. And if he if he had to order do the draft by who's most NBA ready, would it still be the guy who everybody projects to be the number one pick or to be someone else? Uh, so we'll see. And do the Pels hold on to their pick? Or there's been some rumblings that Phoenix wants to move up and maybe would offer the Pels their pick and maybe Cam Johnson, who we remember in the playoffs, was a pretty good outside shooter. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk with uh, Grant Hughes also, our NBA analyst from the Bleacher Report. There's more troubles in Brooklyn. Uh, apparently, they have come to an impasse, the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving. Who in their right mind? Seriously. I know talent trumps everything. I know it does. But man, who wants to deal with that headache? Who does? Man, not me. Not me at all. Don't want to deal with it at all. Speaking of not wanting to deal with it, uh, Gronk. Um, Rob Gronkowski is retiring from the NFL for the second time, calling it a career. He announced his retirement today on social media. He's 32 years young. And then his agent came out and said, well, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. If um, Tom Brady calls him during the season to come back and Rob answers the call. This is just my opinion, according to Drew Rosenhaus. But I wouldn't be surprised if Rob comes back during the season or next season. <coughs> Excuse me. Day two of the worst head cold this young man has ever, ever experienced in his lifetime. Um, sticking on the NFL front. More news coming from the Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, according to attorney Tony Busby, Deshaun Watson has settled all but four of the lawsuits filed against him. Since March 16th of 2021, 25 lawsuits have been filed against Watson, alleging sexual assault and other inappropriate behavior during massage sessions. One of those, tw of those 25 one was dropped by the plaintiff when the judge ruled her petition had to be amended with her name. The other 20, according to Busby, have been settled. Of course, um, the terms and amounts of the settlements are confidential. No further comment on those settlements or those cases. The NFL said this will have nothing to do with their own investigation and their own disciplinary process. So stay tuned for the saga of Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. Well, the Live Tour just struck another one as Brooks Kepka, four-time major champion, the latest golfer to defect from the PGA Tour to the Live Golf Invitational Series. Uh, he's 32, one of the highest-profile players to join the breakaway circuit, which is being funded by Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund and is fronted by two-time Open winner Greg Norman. Um, Kepka ranked 19th in the official world golf ranking. He's going to compete in the first live golf event in the United States at pumpkin Ridge in Portland, Oregon, starting June the 30th. 
Now these um these are twenty five uh, that the Live Golf's now signed eight of the top fifty players in the world. Bryson DeChambeau thirtieth, Patrick Reed thirty eighth. They're also expected to compete in the event in Portland as well. So Jay Monahan has already suspended seventeen players, including Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson for competing in Live Golf's inaugural event outside London two weeks ago. So he's going to do it again. Um, meanwhile, the PGA is trying to stem the tide a little bit, and they're trying to come up with a plan to revamp the schedule and to increase purses in response to the Live Golf threat. Um Apparently, they will increase purses worth at least $20 million in at least eight existing marquee events and three new events in a global golf series that will include no cuts, very similar to the Live Tour, limited fields, the Live Tour, and purses of at least $25 million, as is the Live Tour. This was according to uh, PGA Tour members told of the plans in a meeting at the Travelers championship in Cromwell, Connecticut this morning. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, so Brooks Kepka joining the live tour as has Abraham answer, who is ranked 20th in the official world golf rankings. We shall see. Stay tuned for that. All right. We got a busy show. Bob Rose will join us in hour number two with his, uh, <coughs> excuse me, saints news network report. And we'll get the latest on uh, the Saints and the NFL. It's the end of the third at the College World Series. The SEC hanging around. Texas A&M three. Notre Dame zip. One SEC school will be eliminated tonight. Will it be the Arkansas Razorbacks or the Auburn Tigers? We shall see. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day. Did you know that um, tomorrow is a big day? It's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey tomorrow, Wednesday. There'll be tasty wings, a delicious cake from Gambino's Bakery on Johnston Street, and amazing door prizes, including station swag, Astros tickets, a 50-inch TV donated by AVI, car washes from the wash donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, a round of golf with cart at Cane Row Golf Course, a $150 gift card to Mosley and Hollard Men's Clothing, and much more. In addition, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday from 4 to 9 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash. We'll take a time out here when we come back. NBA Draft Talk, John Shepkevich here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we are back 20 minutes after the hour on this uh, first day of summer, Tuesday, June 21st. And uh, there's no place better to be than the city of Chicago when the summertime comes. 
Uh, it's a beautiful city, great place to play. That's where our good friend John Chepkevich uh, joins us as the NBA draft is just a couple of days away. John, um, as the as the old cliche goes, is the hay in the barn in this thing? Or are we up for some big surprises come Thursday? Yeah, I, I think we very well may be. There's been a decent amount of buzz that there could be a high volume of trades uh, going down on Thursday. And uh, we've seen some kind of shaking up of the uh, betting odds for the number one pick. So it, it's been Jabari Smith by a long shot, then Chet Holmgren close behind, and Paolo Bancaro way, way behind that. Now Paolo has made a huge rise in the betting odds to being second behind Jabari and still moving upward. So there's a little bit of buzz going around. So many times when you see the NBA draft, oh, it's, it's on potential and the future. I would say um, the the person most ready to step in and play right away and contribute right away might be Paolo Bancaro. He's got that he's got that NBA body in that game already. So are we going to be drafting potential? Or are we going to be drafting for a guy that can be an immediate impact? Now, I would say that some of these guys at the top, like Jabari and but like Bancaro, kind of give you both sides of that coin, right? Like, I think both of them can come in and contribute immediately. They both are, you know, 6'10", have NBA bodies, move well, can score the ball. I think both of those guys give you a little bit of both, but, you know, there's definitely some other guys that aren't quite as there and have upside allure that it'll be interesting after the, the the top three to see what different teams value on that spectrum. You talk about uh, trades being involved here, the possibility. What's the what's the biggest rumor going on about a team wanting to move up, and what would they have to give up to get that? A lot of buzz about the number four pick with Sacramento, and and you know, to be fair, you never know how real these things are, right? There's a lot of smoke going around, but uh, it's it's been said that uh, the Sacramento Kings really like Keegan Murray uh, out of Iowa who, you know, I think on the consensus is thought to be in that next kind of tier after the big three. But there's some thought that maybe they might be able to get him a few picks later if they were to trade down with somebody, say, like Indiana, who, you know, they obviously have a history of doing big trades with, with the uh, Sabonis-Halliburton deal from last year. So there's been a little bit of buzz about maybe a trade being in the works there. Uh, but we'll see what happens. But that number four pick seems to be the one that is garnering the most traction for a potential deal. I'm hearing comparisons to Jalen Rose, to Ja Morant, is Jaden Ivey. It's it's kind of it's so hard to compare players because everybody's different. But four or five years down the road, is there a is there a, a player that you're going to say out of this out of this draft that's going to be the dude? Um, because sometimes you, you draft by need, sometimes you draft by potential, um, and, and sometimes you get uh, Michael Jordan with the third pick overall. So you never know. But is there a guy on this chart that, that you look at and go, man, five years from now, he's going to be he's gonna be all NBA? Barry Smith, right? And I know that's not that, uh, that exciting of an answer, I guess, but, uh, no? you do see a lot of variance as to, uh, who people do have as their number one guy, whether it's Jabari, Chet, Paolo, or even Ivy. Uh, 
a lot of the Jabari doubters tend to point to the fact that he doesn't dribble the ball that much and hasn't shown much in the way of, you know, driving to the rim or playmaking acumen. But I think that he's able to develop that skill and work on that and kind of build that further into his game. But, you know, he can kind of take his time in doing so, rely upon his elite, elite shooting profile at his size. And he's already able to really switch multiple positions on defense, be a help side rim protector. There's just so much to like there. And I think he has some untapped upside as well. So for me, he's the guy in five years that I think, I think can be a really, really valuable player on a contending team and could potentially even unlock some interesting stuff by sliding down to the five and playing like a death lineup, small ball five, they can shoot the ball and defend the rim a little bit, switch. I, I, I'm just really excited about Jabari. Give me the pros and the cons of Chet Holmgren, the, the freshman from Gonzaga. He's, uh, you know, he's tall, he's long, he's thin. Um, you, you said he might be sliding down the, the rankings a little bit. Give me the pros and give me what the cons are now. I like Chet. Uh, I'll start with one thing that I think, you know, some people tend to overlook is the age factor in this right. equation, right? That, that matters a lot. And Chet is a freshman, but he's an older freshman, right? He already has turned 20 years old. Uh, oh. He's a full year older than Jabari Smith, right? Uh, he's a little bit closer to Ivy in age than, than he is to uh, Jabari and Paolo. So that's just one thing to consider, right? It's not the be all end all. Um, you mentioned the frame. He is skinny. Uh, we haven't seen too many guys with this physical profile and skill set kind of come through the ranks, which makes it a little bit hard to peg what he might be. But I, I, I think people overblow that a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, we see guys that are 20 years old once they're 24 or 25. They just naturally put on weight, like just like me or you, right? Like that's just a natural part of life. Right. You kind of grow into your frame a little bit. Uh, the main concern with the frame, I think, is more so on an injury perspective than like, uh, you know, can he hold up with the physicality perspective on a day-to-day basis? So you just see a lot of guys that are that size, that skinny, end up having, you know, lower body problems, foot problems, things like that. So he hasn't really experienced those yet, but I think that's just always a natural worry with guys like that. Um, but from a strength perspective, I mean – he's already going to be able to come in and be an impactful defensive player. Like the way that he puts, uh, you know, puts a lid on the rim, kind of shuts things down in the paint, Uh, the way that he's able to then kind of get out and transition, maybe grab and go a little bit, hit some trailing threes. He really punishes people in transition on threes and is obviously a great finisher at the rim. So, you know, this guy's a smart player. He can pass the ball a little bit. He does a little bit of everything. So as long as he can stay healthy and, you know, kind of grow into his frame, there's a lot to like there as well. I'm going to throw three names, three LSU names out at you, and I want your your opinion of them. Uh, Tyree Eason, I, I, here's another guy I think that's, um, that's NBA-ready from a physicality standpoint. Where do you have Terry Eason ranked on your board? Interesting one because, you know, he started out as a freshman at Cincinnati and, mm-hmm. you know, might have been just a little bit miscast in his role, hadn't really earned uh, the trust of the coach and was kind of forced into playing some backup center. It was a little bit of a weird fit. Uh, but even when he was there, he was putting up these uh, really high steal and block rates, which we obviously have seen translate to LSU, but he's been able to elevate the rest of his game as well as a finisher, you know, as a shooter. 
Um, just a little bit of, a little bit of everything, but like you're saying, the physical profile is really intriguing, right? Like he's six foot eight. He's really strong. He's just an absolute brute getting into the paint to the rim and kind of walling people up, uh, on the interior defensively, uh, measures in at a shade under six ten in shoes, seven one wingspan. Like, uh, actually it might, might even be a little bit, uh, more than that, if I'm not mistaken, wow. six, eight with a seven, two wingspan actually. So, you know, he has really good size and, you know, is really active on defense. So I would say he's looking the part of a mid first round pick and on my consensus rankings, he's 15th. So just outside the lottery, uh, I think his draft range probably spans from, you know, 12 to 25 and likely settles in somewhere in the late teens to early twenties. Yeah, I think he's uh he's gonna uh, he's gonna be that guy that comes off and gives you minutes. He's gonna play tough on the on the defensive end. He's gonna rebound and uh, he'll pick up some garbage and put it in the hole. So I, I like him. Darius Days does he get uh, drafted or is he gonna be one of those um, go go to a summer league team and see if you can make it from there? Well, get drafted in the fifties. You know, it gets a little murky once you get to that part of the draft, uh, depending on, you know, what teams have roster spots and things like that. I, I've heard that there might be a lot of uh, international draft and stashes kind of late late in the draft. And I know we've previously talked about how this class's international group isn't as strong as usual, but sometimes once you get into the 50s in the draft, it's just a better allocation of resources to – you know, not use a roster spot, uh, buy low on a guy internationally and kind of, you know, retain that asset overseas. So uh, it'll be days we'll be battling with some of those kind of factors to see if he can get drafted or not. My guess would be uh, that he's a priority undrafted uh, two-way type guy uh, that you might see, you know, some tweet from Sham Sharania or, or Woj that, you know, notes that he signed an undrafted free agent deal with X, Y, or Z. So keep an eye out for for something like that late in the night. And then uh, John Chepkevich, our NBA draft analyst, uh, Shaq's son, Sharif O'Neal. He's been hurt. He's had injury issues. He hasn't played much. He's got the name. Does somebody, because of the dad, give him an opportunity and and, and try him out? What, what, what happens to Sharif O'Neal? That's such a wild card. I mean, I, I, feel, I feel bad for Sharif because he's, you know, yeah. dealt with his certain health issues and had a you know tough go of it trying to get things sorted out there and get on the right track to real playing time. So, uh, you know, he ended up entering the draft this year, got invited to the G League Elite Camp, which, you know, I think was a little bit of a favor likely in nature as opposed to, you know, based right. on his actual performance. But, right. you know, he had a couple moments there. And that, I think the most likely path for him is that, you know, he gets on a summer league roster somewhere and tries to prove himself and uh, maybe ends up in the G League when it's all said and done. Okay. Do you mind going over the first? Uh, uh, have you come up with a mock draft, in your opinion, of what where people are going to go? Kind of flushing through some of that right now. Um, okay. I'm thinking about releasing one tomorrow, but I'm happy to talk through maybe uh, some specific picks that might interest you. I know New Orleans. Okay, well, I'm, want, I'm interested in happy to talk through I'm whatever you want. Yeah, I'm interested in number eight, and I'm, I'm hearing buzz about the Phoenix Suns maybe want to do a deal and maybe Cam Johnson involved with the Pels and all this and that. But when push comes to shove at number eight, I think the, the Pels will get some good value. The question is. 
who is it going to be? Who would you project? And we won't know. We're not going to hold you to it. But who would you pr- project the Pels knowing uh, their situation, uh, their needs? Uh, what, what do you think? Last time we talked, I, I may have landed on Ben uh, Benedict Matherin as my uh, sort of gun to my head pick who ends up there. But, you know, since that last time we talked, he's been kind of rising a little bit, gaining a little yes. more steam. And it's thought that he might get drafted as high as, you know, five or six potentially. So he might not be on the board there. And the names that I've been kind of hearing and seeing as potential options would be uh, Dyson Daniels, who I mentioned yep. to you last time from the G League right. Night, versatile Australian kid. Uh, Shaden Sharp, who, you know, is being tabbed as the wild card of this draft, uh, who, you know, obviously didn't suit up for Kentucky this year, but has a lot of upside. Uh, and then, you know, aside from those two, uh, I mean, those are probably the ones that I've been hearing the most. But then you have some other wild card names like Jeremy Sohan that I mentioned last time, and then even right. uh, Usman Jiang, uh, who played for the New Zealand Breakers. Uh, that's another interesting name, uh, international kid, French wing, who, you know, stands almost six foot ten and has some unique ball skills, can really pass. He really came into his own down the stretch. So there's a lot of ways that the Pels could go with this pick. And uh, the, honestly, I feel like they're kind of one of the swing picks in the lottery to kind of uh, set the tone of where where this draft goes. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fascinating. Please put that mock together so we can uh, go follow you on uh, on Twitter like we always do, and and uh, have some fun with it. But uh, if you if you had to guess now, number one overall, you sticking with Jabari Smith or are you going with uh, Paulo Bancaro? Who are you going with? Bill tells me to stay with Jabari, and uh, I, I know there's been a. A lot of a lot of smoke here and there, a lot of traction as far as what names are rising or falling. But you know, for me, he's been number one for a long time on my own personal board, and I feel like okay. uh, you know that's where things are going to stay. But you never know. If you were picking, all right, if you were the Pelicans GM, and Dyson Daniels was available at eight, and Benedict Matherin was available at eight, who would you pick? Yeah, I happen to prefer Dyson Daniels, and that, that's not really a slight on Benedict Matherin. And I think, you know, these two are kind of in the same tier, along with Shaden Sharp, as far as that that cluster there. But I tend to prefer Dyson because he's sort of this, uh, you know, Swiss uh, Swiss Army knife, do it all guy that you know can handle the ball when you need him to, can play off the ball, is a good cutter, good defender. The shot looks like it might be able to come around. I just feel like guys that, you know, are that versatile, that good defensively and can kind of meld into different lineups and different situations and stay on the floor in the playoffs, like that guy just does a lot for me, and I value that type of player. So that that's who I ultimately would end up choosing. Well, well, I value your opinion, John. Thank you so much. Uh, we're not going to bother you again. Because uh, I know you got a lot of work to do, but we can't thank you. It's been a lot of fun, and we'll see how it all turns out on Thursday, buddy. Thank you. Jordy, thank you for having me again. You're the best. You're the best. That is uh, John Chepkevich with the latest on the NBA draft. Rescue Fest is Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. 
There'll be plenty of food, games, even a raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, go to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org. We'll update the College World Series score and more when we return here on the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 21st, 1970. Brazil and superstar Pele become the first team and player to win the FIFA World Cup three times, beating Italy 4-1 in front of 107,412 fans in Mexico City. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 41 minutes after the hour. You know, the NBA finals wrapped up only a few days ago, but uh, the league uh, calendar stops for no one. The next generation of players will be welcomed into the league. Thursday night at the Barclays Center when the Orlando Magic get the first pick of the 2022 NBA draft. And then it's all about trying to catch up to the champion Golden State Warriors. Lots of headlines, lots of storylines. One last time before all this gets underway, before free agency, before summer league, is our good friend Grant Hughes from Bleacher Report out there on the West Coast reveling in the Warriors championship, man. How how are things out there, man? Well, I mean, just for me personally, I mean, I, I, you know, this, I, I grew up a Warriors fan. They were always my team. And so, you know, I try to stay as professional as I can in general and get rid of the bias, but, uh, that, that, this title feels, uh, feels special. You know, this is one of those that, you know, they usually, you don't have two years off and kind of make it back, which, which they right. did. And, and so it just, it, it felt, it felt a lot like the first one in, in 2015 where, you know, you kind of couldn't believe it was happening until it was already over. Uh, so, so yeah, this one was really special. I, I know a lot of Warriors fans definitely, you know, thought that you know three titles in five years—that's pretty darn good. We're we're set with that. We, you know, let's let's start this thing over. But but that's that's not how the Warriors played it. They they definitely uh, bucked a lot of trends by making it all the way back to the top. And who says nice guys can't finish first, right? I mean, it was Steph Curry's, uh, it was his time, it was his moment, and he certainly delivered, and I couldn't be happier for him. Um, all right, storylines. What? Brooklyn and Kyrie Irving at an impasse. No, really? Does that surprise anybody? I mean, kind of. So, I, I mean, I, if I'm, I think we're aligned on the idea that I, I'm not sure you want Kyrie Irving on your team just no. in general for for lots lots of reasons. But usually in the NBA, the stars kind of just get what they want, and organizations, you know, just just meet the contract demands or or, or give them all kinds of, of, of you know long leash off the court or, or lots of rope, but. I got to credit the Nets for they don't want to give them an, a big extension. And and I think that's kind of impressive that they're taking a hard mm-hmm. line because, look, you know, him and Kevin Durant were kind of a package deal a couple years ago, and, and mm-hmm. who knows what the fallout is from Durant's side uh, if if this goes sideways. Uh, but but I, I, I kind of commend the Nets for – 
kind of drawing a line. Maybe it's too little too late, but, but kind of, yeah. you know, trying to operate as a real team, you know, where everybody's on the same page instead of, instead of just, uh, you know, bending to the will of a, of a star player. Amen. Uh, so glad. If if Kyrie Irving did leave and go somewhere else, what what does Durant do now? Yeah, that's the question, right? I, I, I think, you know, you should be able to get something back for Irving, even with all the baggage, even with, you know, he's still really talented. When he plays, he's hugely effective. Some team, you know, if it comes to pass, will talk themselves into, you know, it's going to be different here with him. I think they'll be wrong. Yeah. But so, yes. you know, maybe the Nets can get back two or three quality guys, like, say, from, from the Clippers. I think the Clippers are the most realistic trade spot for Irving. And, and maybe Durant's happy with that. But there's also a scenario where, you know, you get a one-two punch of Irving is gone and Durant says, okay, you, I, I need to go now, too. You know, yeah. that, that just, that's totally realistic to me. And then you can get whatever you want for Kevin Durant, right? So, so the Nets won't be too bad off, but they will be – way far away from from being the contender you know they'll be starting over essentially man again who wants to deal i know talent is talent and talent unfortunately trumps everything but there's got to be a line drawn somewhere who wants to deal with that headache all the time why, why did kenny atkinson you think accept the job um at, at charlotte and then reverse the decision just a few days ago to stay with golden state yeah, that's really rare, right? You know, there's only yes. 30 of those head coaching jobs, and, and guys will take whatever they can get, generally speaking, especially someone like him who's been a head coach before. Um, I think I think it ha- – so there's a couple, like, kind of juicier theories, which is that maybe Steve Kerr is, you know, not going to be the head coach of the Warriors forever. Maybe he wants okay. to do something else, and maybe Atkinson, you know, has designs on or has been told, like, hey, you might be the successor here. Um, that's right. – pure speculation but it would explain a pretty unusual decision i think this the sort of more sober explanation is just that you know atkinson has bounced this is his third team in three years uh it's a really it's about as good of an assistant coach gig as there is in the world uh and i think maybe he's just sick of of picking up and moving his life every year you know he's at a point where Makes sense. I'm sure the Warriors are paying him really well. You know, assistants don't make a ton, but the Warriors are, are spending on everything. So might have been a quality of life decision, honestly. Yeah, I'm with you. It makes sense. Um, Grant Hughes with us. What are, you, what are you hearing about this draft? Um, is, it, is it good? Are the Pels at number eight going to get themselves a good player? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, saying a draft is good or bad is tough because – if you're the team that gets the guy you wanted and it turns out that guy's good, well, then it was a great draft for you. Who cares about everyone else, right? It's, That's it's right. A very, That's right. kind of a subjective thing. Yeah. But I, I think the way it's shaping up generally, I'd say the consensus is that, you know, outside of the top three, which is Jabari Smith Jr., Paulo Boncaro from Duke, and then Chet Holmgren, the, the Gonzaga kid, kind of, you know, Jaden Ivey, a lot of people think he's fourth, but then you can see a lot of, you know, different reports saying, well, it might be, Keegan Murray from Iowa. It might be this shade and sharp guy from Kentucky who didn't play college at all last year. Um, what I, what my, my thought on it is after three, the difference between four and like 15, it's, it might just, there might not be any, you know, I think, I, I think that's, that's sort of my impression of it. Um, but yeah, you have to say that knowing that there will be two or three guys between four and 15 
that that will be multi-time all-stars you know that's that's right. just, which which of those guys is it so yeah i think the pelicans are in a really nice spot um, they could even trade down if they wanted to uh and and potentially get you know the best player in the draft outside of the top yeah. three that's kind of my view on it yeah, you never, you never, ever know. Okay, these are impossible questions to answer, but this is what we do, and this is what people want to talk about. Where does Steph Curry rank in the hierarchy of the greatest players of all time? Is he top 10? Is he top 15? Uh, what do you think? I mean, he's revolutionized the game. He's got four championships. He did it with, you know, he did it with Durant. He did it without Durant. So where, where does he rank? I think for me, I don't have any trouble inside the top 10. Um, I don't either. I think I just, uh, I mean, that's the short answer. The longer answer is a lot of what you mentioned. On top of the fact that, you know, there's 30 teams now. It's just not fair to compare that to a league where there were a dozen or, you know, going as however far back you want to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when players had, had other part-time jobs. It was kind of a semi-professional operation. It, what, the, the level of training, the level of skill, the level, the money involved. Right. Like The NBA today is just, it's just you got to be better than you used to have to be to be no great. It's just yeah. things evolve. It's like any other industry. Um, so the fact that he's, you know, it's kind of weird, but like the last decade has kind of been the Steph Curry era. It, you know, LeBron certainly has a claim to that, but if if you subscribe to the theory that the game is better now than it's ever been, it's harder to be great than it's ever been, mm-hmm. then you kind of got to lean towards the modern guys a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, look, <laughs> I don't know what the order is, but whoever's 11, 12, and 13, or, or 8, 9, and 10, or wherever you're really good. all those guys are just Hall of Famers. It's, you'd, <laughs> you'd have to just really bend over backwards to to say Curry's better than them, or who sh- it's, it's, it's impossible, but just based on the resume and and the, the intangible of, I don't know who you would rather have picked to start your franchise with over the last 15 years than him. Um, mm-hmm. LeBron's in that conversation, but the zero-maintenance superstar that yeah. everyone loves, that is the perfect example from a work ethic perspective, from a character perspective, Like I, I kind of factor that stuff in, too. So, yeah, top 10, no question. I mean, top five is kind of, I don't know, that's that's a bridge too far at this point. But, <laughs> yeah. but who used yeah, to say he won't get there? You never know. Yeah. Who knows? Um, boy, sure looks like the Warriors are set. Um, when I, if if they develop the young talent like I think they will, and if Wiggins ca- can you know stays healthy and keeps on his path, and Clay Thompson gets a summer under his belt because he clearly was not the same Clay, right? That we saw before the injuries, yeah. but but it doesn't mean he can't get back there, correct? No, and, and his, his is a skill set that should age well, right? I mean, he yeah. can get a little stronger. He can guard bigger guys instead of chasing quicker guys. And, and, I mean, even if he spends the whole year shooting like 30% from three, there's not a defense in the league that won't treat him the same way. So, so the value of him on the floor is going to be the same. Uh, but I do think he'll be better just the further he gets from the injuries. Um, you know, the Warriors have a ton of free agents, a lot of guys that really mattered, Otto Porter, Gary Payton, Gavon Looney. Um, but – you know, money is not really an object for them, so they're they're a million miles into the luxury tax. I don't think they care. Um, and then, Love like you it. said, the young guys. You know, Jordan Poole is the test case for this because this guy was about out of the league, and suddenly yeah. he's, you know, having huge games in the finals. So their player development staff, I think, uh, should definitely is one to be feared. So you know, if one or two of these young guys pop, 
uh, man, it doesn't matter if they lose free agents because they'll just backfill it with these guys. You know, they'll get more athletic. They'll get younger. There, there are a lot of ways forward for them right now. That's the kind of ownership I want. I don't care about the the the, the payroll, uh, luxury tax. I'll pay it. Let's just go win. I love that. And uh, that's what the Warriors do. So um, anyway, all right. Well, Grant Hughes, we're, we're out of time. I can't thank you enough for all your help during the, the NBA season. It's always fun. It's always a highlight of my, uh, my show, and I greatly appreciate it. All the best to you and your family. And, and down the road, we'll hit you up again. No, man, it's my pleasure. I appreciate it every time, and, and I look forward to the next time we You got it. Grant Hughes from Bleacher Report, the best in the business. You know, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to enter to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takehouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. We'll close out our number one next here on the Jordy Helford Show. All right, welcome back as we close out our number one. Good day for the Raging Cajun um, Athletic Foundation. A $125,000 anonymous donor gift. That's the kind you love. $125,000. Name unknown. An anonymous donor. Way to go. Um, elimination game. Bottom of the fifth. College World Series. Texas A&M 5. Notre Dame zip. We'll update all the headlines of the day. We'll talk Saints News Network. Uh, Bob Rose for the Black and Gold Report. Hour number two straight ahead here on the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Our number two straight ahead. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, June 21st, the year 2022. It's officially the first day of summer. Yes, it is. So um, buckle up, because it's it's a warm one out there again, and it's only going to get a little bit warmer each and every day. So... Uh, stay tuned. Uh, we are coming to you live and in living color from the game studios where my main man, James Mesh, is producing, as he always does. And I greatly appreciate his efforts. Uh, he's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We are streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041 thegame.com and um if you're in the acadiana area we're simulcast stadium 32.3 and 133 on l-u-s fiber did you miss the headlines of the day 
Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. All right. Uh, college baseball, as we speak, elimination game. They've moved to the top of the sixth, and the Aggies of Texas A&M leading Notre Dame 5 to nothing. Loser goes home. Winner sticks around. Got a long uphill climb, but they stick around. Tonight, another elimination game. One SEC team will go home. Will it be Arkansas? Will it be Auburn? First pitch set for 6 p.m. Another accomplishment for the Live Golf Series as four-time major champion Brooks Kepka, the latest golfer to defect from the PGA Tour to the Live Golf Invitational Series. So now um, the Live Tour with Kepka and Abraham Anser, who's ranked 20th in the world. Uh, now they have eight of the top 50 players in the world signed, sealed, and delivered. So gaining some traction here. If you if you offer golfers more money to play less holes, not have to worry about being embarrassed about making the cut or not making the cup, play fewer tournaments and make more money overall, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? You forget about all the purists and this, that, and the other. It's every dog for himself, and these players are doing it. Um, and I, I don't know what's going to stop them. I don't know what's going to stop them. In football news, um, the Gronk is out again. Rob Gronkowski retiring from the NFL for the second time. Now, Tom Brady called it quits once and came back. This is Gronk calling it quits twice. He's 33 years old. He announced his retirement today via social media. But his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, came out and said, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if old Tom Brady calls him during the season to come back. And Rob answers the call. So we shall see. He previously retired after the 2018 season with the New England Patriots because of injuries. Uh, then he came back to play with Brady in um, 2020 and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, more on the Deshaun Watson uh, case. Uh, attorney Tony Busby says 20 of the 24 lawsuits filed against the Cleveland Brown quarterback Deshaun Watson have settled. Uh, 25 lawsuits have been filed. One was dropped, leaving 24 20 have settled, four are still out there, and they're working on trying to settle those as well. The NFL said this will have no bearing upon their collectively bargained disciplinary process. So um, we shall see. The Texans, of course, traded Watson to the Browns in March in exchange for a package that included three first-round draft picks. After the first grand jury announced it would not indict Watson on criminal charges, and remember, the Saints were believed to be uh, in contention for Deshaun Watson, but he is now part of the Cleveland Browns issues. Um, sad news coming out of um, basketball. Former NBA player and Purdue Boilermaker standout Caleb Swanigan has died. He was 25. They said he died of natural causes at a Fort Wayne hospital, a first-round pick of the Portland Trailblazers in 2017, six foot nine Swanigan played three years in the NBA with the Blazers 
and the Sacramento Kings. He was Indiana's Mr. Basketball in the year 2015. He was a terrific player for Purdue. Uh, and it's just sad, sad, sad uh, news coming on that front. Um, yeah, sad news. Um, Baseball-wise for LSU, Dylan Cruz, Jacob Berry picked up more postseason honors. Cruz voted ABCA first-team All-American. Berry received third-team ABCE, ABCA All-American recognition. Cruz has to come back. Jacob Berry, might he come back for another season? I don't know. Uh, the Tigers did lose their eighth player to the transfer portal. Um, second baseman Will Safford, no surprise, added his name to the roster yesterday. Uh, you lose one, you gain one. Infielder Jack Pineda played for Baylor. He is uh, an infielder as well. Um, is now an LSU Tiger. He hit 300 with seven homers last year, uh, committed just eight errors in 54 games, was an all-Big 12 honorable mention. When you consider K. Doty's high draft stock, Pineda will serve as a nice addition to an LSU infield that's seen some reserve infielders hit the transfer portal recently. And a big shout-out and congratulations to Stephanie Rempe, LSU's executive deputy, athletic director, Chief Operating Officer, she's going to become the Athletic Director at Nevada. At Nevada. Remke has been at LSU since 2019 has worked hand-in-hand with Athletic Director Scott Woodward, uh, both when he was the AD at Washington, when he was the AD at Texas A&M, and now at LSU. And she worked directly during some coaching searches and daily operations. Wow, I think she's going to do a tremendous job at Nevada. Uh, So those are some of your headlines of the day. We are brought to you by, (coughs) excuse me, day two of this awful, awful head cold, Eon of Lafayette. Um, You know, you exercise, you work hard, you, you do eat right, you do everything you can, and it's just hard to lose in those troublesome areas. Well, Eon, the first premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that specializes in permanent fat reduction treatments can do that. Patients can treat an entire abdomen, not touched. All you feel is a cool little breeze. It's all you feel. They can treat an entire abdomen in 60 minutes, can achieve a fat loss of 21% above the belly button, 25% below the belly button. Eon is currently FDA cleared for the abdomen and flanks and is safe for all skin types and skin tones. There is a 96% patient satisfaction with Eon. 95.2% of patients saying they will return for a second treatment. Wow. Why go through all the pain, the agony, the angst? You work so hard. Slow it down. Let Eon do the hard work for you. That's Eon of Lafayette at 2020 Rue Promenade, Suite 2020, uh, right there in River Ranch. Um, Tara LaPari and her staff do a phenomenal job. So nice to deal with. They answer all your questions. If you have any concerns, it is terrific. Uh, you know what? Father's Day is coming gone, but. Uh, Why not treat dad to a little late Father's Day gift? There's financing involved. You can get it done now, pay later, 
It's so simple. It's so easy. It's so effective. Give your loved one the gift that keeps on giving permanent fat loss. She'll appreciate it. He'll appreciate it. You'll appreciate it. No questions asked. No doubt. All right. Time out on the floor. You know, tomorrow is a, is a very special day that we're celebrating because uh, the game, it's, uh, it's our birthday. It really, truly is. Um, and this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Cafford tomorrow, Wednesday. There'll be tasty wings, a delicious cake from Gambino's Bakery on Johnson Street. It's my favorite bakery, by the way. There'll be um, uh, amazing door prizes, including station swag, like the shirts we all wear, Astros tickets, nice, a 50-inch TV donated by ABI, car washes from the wash donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, a round of golf with a cart at Cane Row Golf Course, a $150 gift card to Mosley and Hollard Men's Clothing, and more than that. Now, in addition, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday from 4 to 9 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday. Hard to believe I've been 10 years. 10 years. Wow. 10 years doing this. It's amazing. Um, It's flown by. Really, I remember meeting with Chuck Wood at some little restaurant talking about this and yeah, we, we signed the deal and got it going, and here we are still. So very thankful to be here. Hope to see all of you tomorrow. Come join us. Let's have some fun. And here's to 10 more great years at uh, the game in 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. That would be a lot of fun. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. Black and Gold Report. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. All things NFL after this timeout with the score. A&M, five, Notre Dame, zip, Aggies rolling, SEC looking good. We'll be back. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Robert, good afternoon, my friend. Good afternoon to you, Jordy. Happy Tuesday and happy belated Father's Day. How's the weather in your part of the world? Uh, I'm loving it. It's 90 degrees, bright sunshine, (laughs) not a cloud in the sky. All right, so give me your summation. Um, Minicamp broke uh, last week uh, after Thursday. We haven't talked about your thoughts about uh, it afterwards. So uh, give me the Cliff Notes version. What did you think? What did you hear? What did you like? What did you not like? Uh, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll start with what I didn't like. Uh, and that was, there, there wasn't a whole lot to dislike uh, about these mini camps, Jordy. Okay. I'm a little bit concerned about Peyton Turner. Uh, you know, he was one of a handful of players. And we talked about this a little bit last week, you and I did. Yeah. Uh, he was one of a handful of players to sit out. 
I'm not concerned about the fact that players sit out uh, at OTAs or mini camps. I say get healthy, come into training camp 100%, uh, you know, rehab what you got to rehab, et cetera. Uh, yeah, but Peyton Turner got to show us very little as a first-round draft pick last year before True. he was injured. Uh, now, I'm, I'm cer- it's certainly way too early to call him injury-prone, but I want to see what this kid could do on a football field. He needs to stay healthy to work himself into a solid role in that defensive line rotation. Uh, yeah, because yeah, they, this team drafted him number one for a reason, uh, and that was, I think, to eventually take the place of an aging Cam Newton or a possible free agent departure in Marcus Davenport. If we don't see what Peyton Turner has to offer uh, you know, very, very quickly, then you know, there's going to be a whole lot of question marks at this position at this time next year. Uh, I realize I'm projecting a little bit, but again, I got to see. I want to see what Peyton Turner has to has to offer. Uh, you know, outside of that, you have you know, Jameis Winston, you know, showing extreme toughness and resilience coming back so early from you know reconstructive knee surgery he's back on the football field and you know participating in pretty much just about every drill except 11 on 11 uh and uh, and which speaking of a quarterback position uh you know Andy Dalton their veteran veteran free agent signee uh yeah he looked awful sharp according to onlookers uh looked like he uh, he seemed extremely capable of leading this offense mm-hmm. uh you know if Jameis were to fall a little bit behind in his rehab uh or to get nicked up a little bit uh, yeah, and the newcomers, Jarvis Landry, Tyron Matthew, uh, yeah, the, those veterans put on a show, as you would expect them to do in front of the hometown fans. Uh, you know, Chris Olave was you know, very impressive. Uh, and maybe another th- little bit of a nitpicky thumbs down I'd have. Uh, you know, Trevor Penning looked like he was struggling a little bit in the technical aspects of the game. Uh, but Dennis Allen went out of his way to point out how uh, how much he loves Penning's intensity. Uh, and a lot of I talked to our John Hendricks at the Saints News Network. Uh, you know, John's like, yeah, there's going to be a, a, at least one fight per day that's going to involve <laughs> Trevor Penning. Uh, but fans are going to love this kid's toughness and intensity. But that's what they said coming in. This guy has yes. uh, a lot of um, potential. He's going to have to learn. How to you know how to deal with NFL rushers and with his technique, but he's got the frame, he's got the strength, he's got the attitude that that you're looking for. So that doesn't surprise me. That's um that's uh, Maroney's job to get him uh, up to speed, right? Absolutely, it is. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think in Doug Marone, the Saints have one of the better offensive line coaches in all of football, college or pro. So, you know, if any guy, uh, anybody can get pinning up to speed from the technical aspect very, very quickly, uh, it's going to be, you know, not only Doug Marone, but you know how good a technician Ryan Ramchek is on the other side. Uh, you know, Ryan, even though Ryan's a pretty young player, uh, you know, he has an awful lot of NFL, NFL experience under his belt. So you better believe that Ryan is going to take this kid uh, – Penning under his wing, uh, and you know, it would not surprise me if Penning, uh, you know, were the opening day starter, uh, you know, as many of us expected him to be when the Saints announced that pick. But if he isn't, there's a very, very solid fallback option in James Hurst. So by no means is it time to press the panic button. Um, and that's Zach Street. Come on, Zach. You got out of the broadcast booth. You're an offensive line coach. Uh, let's let's coach him up, man. Coach him up. That's a that's a key part. Uh, of this process. The other thing I keep hearing is Alave is all that he's, he's lived up to uh, all the expectations uh, already and they, they love him. 
Oh, boy, I'll tell you what. I, yeah, I'm hearing the same thing uh, in the film that I did see from you know, not only many camps, but OTAs before that. Uh, and you know, just out of Jameis Winston's mouth, own mouth, uh, you know, uh, Winston used the word silky smooth. Uh, and when you watch Alave just run routes, even in you know, even in shorts and shells, he looks exactly that. Uh, yeah, that that kid looks so, so smooth. Uh, and uh, I think he's going to be a gamer. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. You mentioned Tyran Matthew, uh, Tyron, Tyran. I call him the honey bags or whatever. Right. Um, a guy like that, uh, such a veteran. He's he's been around the block or two. I don't see it that big of a transition. Do you from him learning what uh, Dennis Allen uh, wants to incorporate defensively? Um, and and do you see his role being the guy that just roams everywhere and makes plays, or do you think he's going to be um, integrated into a certain niche um, along that defense? I, you know, I tell you, I, I, I'm hearing a lot of people thinking that he is going to open up the year as probably the starting free safety, especially if Marcus May, uh, you know, who is more of a free safety prototype, uh, opens the season on an NFL suspension because of a DUI about a year and a half ago. To me, it would be a mistake uh, to kind of pigeonhole Matthew into a certain role. He's made his NFL career out of being a roamer, uh, you know, a, a joker, uh, as a lot of defensive coordinators will use that term. <clears throat> now, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, that is his role in the Saints defense. Uh, but one of the things that intrigued me about the signing of Honey Badger in the first place is my immediate thought was yeah, they have two jokers now. You know, you could plug May in at that center field spot uh, and, you know, you could use Matthew there. You could use, you know, Gardner Johnson. You could even use P.J. Williams there from time to time. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the main value that Gardner Johnson and Matthew bring to a defense is their ability to make plays all over the field. So my thought process is why would I pigeonhole uh, you know, a, a guy into a certain role I agree. Uh, you know, when their strengths are to making play uh, into making plays all over the field. Uh, uh, but to answer the other part of your question, no, it doesn't seem like it's taking uh, honey badger very long at all to get up to speed with what Dennis Allen, uh, you know, Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen want on that defensive side. Uh, and you know, it, it, Matthew's a pro. Uh, you know, a lot of people yeah. think that you know, just look at him and see, Oh yeah, he's just a wondrous athlete. Uh, he is, but he has become a student of the game with his career uh, in the NFL so far. Uh, and I think he's going to get up to speed real quick. And he's probably going to be the, the signal caller for that secondary. I agree. Um, Alante Taylor, the number 49 overall pick uh, defensive back out of Tennessee, got him in the second round. I'm hearing great things about him as well. Is he up to, to challenging for a starting position? A lot of people are saying that. And of course, Dennis Allen is saying all the right things and you know, coach speak, you know, no, no job is guaranteed and right. stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Listen, Marshawn Lattimore isn't going anywhere. Uh, and yeah, you know, I'd say there's probably about a 98 to 99% chance that Paulson Adebo is going to be the starter opposite Lattimore. CJ Gardner Johnson is going to be your you know, primary slot corner as he should be. He's one of the best in the business, right. uh, but yeah, the defensive coaches, and fans are just media, excuse me, are just raving about what Alante Taylor could do. This kid is brimming with confidence, something you need to see in a cornerback, uh, in a cornerback position. Uh, he has the physical attributes, you know, the, the prototypical size and very, very good athleticism. 
Uh, you know, great coverage ability, as I saw myself when I went back and watched his film after they made the draft pick. He's the kind of defensive back that Chris Richard has made a career out of, uh, you know, coaching and preference all the way back to his uh, uh, his doom days yeah. uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. I forget right. the. I forget Doomsday, the name of the Yeah, I know. The Doomsday defense, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Elante Taylor is going to make a very rapid impact in this Saints defense. And then uh, two other picks, both by the name of Jackson, both on the defensive side. DeMarco Jackson, the linebacker that they picked up in the fifth round from App State. And then their first from the service academy with um, the Air Force, Jordan Jackson. Those are two players that you, you kind of need to see pads on, right? You need to see them hit people and do things. But in shorts and T-shirts, um, what, what's the word on the two Jacksons? Uh, yeah, a, a good word on both of them. Uh, and you know I love DeMarco Jackson even coming yep. into the draft. I talked about him as a high, uh, highly yeah. regarded mid-round pick. Uh, yeah, I think DeMarco might even end up being the third running, uh, third linebacker uh, you know, immediately behind Demario Davis and, of course, Pete Werner. Uh, now, like you pointed out, we need to see the bullets flying for real and how these guys you know, react to that. Uh, but DeMarco is moving around the field very, very well. Uh, you know, he's extremely athletic in open space. Uh, but that man, uh, you know, as you'll see when the pads do come on for real, that man can really buckle up a chin strap uh, and, and bring it in the running game as a defender, too. So I, you know, I, I have high hopes for DeMarco Jackson. Uh, you know, coaches really, really love Jordan Jackson. Uh, admittedly, that was another prospect I knew very little about when the Saints picked him. Uh, I knew he was an athletic, raw project, but that's also the exactly what they said about David Onyemata. Yeah. That's exactly what they said about Tanoa Passanio, who, yeah. of course, was drafted by the Chiefs, but has turned out to be a heck of a player, too. Uh, you know, a lot, there's a lot of people thinking that Jordan Jackson isn't just a practice squad developmental guy, uh, that he could really challenge for a spot in the rotation uh, at the Saints' defensive tackle position. Hmm, interesting. So all um, all reports, the draft picks, very, very good. And then uh, free agency. Uh, your thoughts on Jarvis Lander. We talked about Matthew on the defensive side. Um, how do they use Jarvis Landry? What what is what is his best suited for? And, and how does he help this Saints offense? Because, um, you know, he's a, he's another veteran that knows the ropes. Uh, yeah, and that's how he helps his Saints offense. Uh, yeah, and he's going to provide a very quick security blanket for for Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, just like Matthew on the defensive side, like you said, Jarvis Landry is a pro's pro. Uh, yeah, he likes to be one of the first guys in the locker room in the morning uh, and one of the last guys to leave the practice field at the end of the day. Uh, you know, and Landry and, you know, and Landry keeps joking and talking about, I haven't figured out a way to beat Jameis Winston into the locker room yet. Well, that just tells you, uh, you know, the, the simpatico that these two guys have. Uh, you know, that they're almost pushing each other right now uh, is what it feels like. Uh, and again, without Michael Thomas on the field as of yet, and we still expect him to be a full go, you know, Thomas, uh, you know, by training camp. But until that happens, Jameis Winston needs to work up a chemistry with the guys on the field. Right. That's going to be Chris Olave. That's going to be Jarvis Landry. Uh, you know, obviously he already had one with Marquez Calloway and Deontay Hardy. Uh, you know, so you certainly expect that to continue. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, Landry provides also a stabilizing influence 
to Chris Olave. You know, rookie receive rookies in any position. They don't know what to expect out of the NFL when they come in. You know, they need a steady veteran hand to kind of guide them through the uh, the intricate in and outs of what it is to be a pro wide receiver. Uh, and that's what how Jarvis Landry is going to help Chris Olave on the field. You know, Landry is an extremely precise route runner. Uh, you know, he gives you a lot of the same things that Michael Thomas will give you, uh, you know, intermediate zone dominance, uh, you know, route precision, uh, a trusted guy in big situations, third down near the goal line when your offense really needs to make a play. And he's an extremely physical wide out Landry is. So, you know, while he's not, I won't put him on the level of a, a healthy Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. He brings those same kind of attributes to an offense. All right. Um, let's take a quick time out here. We'll continue with the black and gold report with um, our good friend Bob Rose after this timeout. Uh, and much, much more coming your way. The Jordan Helfer Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Astros take on the red-hot New York Mets at Minute Maid Park tonight. You can listen to all the action live here on the game. First pick set for 7-10. That's Mets, Astros live here. Two leaders of their divisions here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We continue the black and gold report with our man, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Bob, it might be too premature to ask, but... Um, what was the general consensus of a mini camp under Dennis Allen's tutelage and guidance as compared to Sean Payton and the way he did things? Was there a noticeable difference or was it a noticeable similarity? It was a more leaning towards a noticeable similarity, uh, okay. yeah, Jordy. Uh, a lot of people are you know, just thrilled with how organized the Dennis Allen's practices are. Uh, and, you know, if, if anything is taking people a little bit by surprise, it's how involved the DA is with the offense. Uh, you know, he, he okay. does, he shows genuine interest in what's going on on that side of the ball. Uh, and listen, you know that his expertise is on the defensive side. He was one of the league's best defensive coordinators. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, obviously he's going he's gonna to have his thumb firmly on the pulse of that unit. Uh, but it's good to see a coach get involved with all aspects of the game. Uh, you know, he, he showed a lot of interest in what was going on you know, with uh, special teams drills as well. Uh, you know, you like your coach to, keep, to be sort of a czar. Uh, a, a dictator that's in, in charge of everything that's going on uh, in all aspects of your football team. Uh, and, you know, that that's what Dennis Allen shows the early indicators of. Uh, and, and again, his organizational ability, uh, you know, the practices were very crisp, very neat, very organized. Uh, and I think we should expect the same thing as we head towards training camp. 
All right, the big news of the day is uh, for the second time in his career, Rob Gronkowski has called it quits. He's retiring from the game, but his agent left the door open. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, Drew Rosenhaus, I said, well, maybe Tom might, might call him up during the season and, you know, Gronk will probably answer the call. So when you heard the news, what, what was your thoughts? Uh, I wasn't the least bit surprised <laughs> at all. Uh, yeah, and I actually thought that Gronkowski was going to retire when Tom Brady retired. Uh, but yeah, maybe Gronk was listening to you and I saying, you know, Brady isn't going to stay retired. Uh, and, you know, it, Gronk sure enough left that door open. Uh, yeah, it, if he does indeed stay retired, he has certainly deserved the rest. Uh, you know, he is one of the better tight ends to have ever played the game. Uh, and in my opinion, probably a first ballot Hall of Famer, definitely a you. Hall of Famer. Uh, at the same time, if Tampa Bay begins to struggle a little bit at the at the tight end position, uh, yeah, Brady doesn't feel comfortable with his receivers uh, and Tampa Bay's in the thick of a playoff chase at midseason or beyond. It would not surprise me if uh, old TB12 made a call to uh, to the Gronk to bring him back. Uh, and I think in that scenario, I absolutely think that Gron- Rob Gronkowski <laughs> would come back to join his friend. Um, first ballot Hall of Famer. I agree. Uh, I think he warrants that, um, to say the least. The other big news headlines is apparently uh, 20 of the 24 lawsuits involving Deshaun Watson have been settled. When you settle, that tells you, I mean, the first thing you think of, well, he's guilty and he's buying them off, right? That's That just goes with the territory. At the, uh, Hate at to the sound risk that way, of- but... Right. At the risk of saying guilty before innocence. Uh, yeah, that's the first thing that went through my mind was that he knows he did something wrong. Uh, you know, maybe not to the extent of the allegations. Uh, but listen, you know, it, when you're talking about a player, a, a person, the level of Deshaun Watson is uh, you know, in society and in the profession that he's in. Uh, you don't just settle with a prospective lawsuit just to, quote unquote, save that person. Uh, you know, the the physical or the the emotional trauma of testifying at a trial or in front of a jury you acknowledge that you're acknowledging that you did something wrong to some level uh and you know i, I realize you know a, agent uh and league representatives are all saying you know this does not necessarily preclude uh an nfl pun- punishment of any kind uh nor does it necessarily mean he's going to avoid an nfl punishment of any kind uh, and I've said this you know, many times before, and I'll say it again now. Uh, if Deshaun Watson is even guilty of a, a portion of what he is accused of, I hope the letter of the law, both league and you know, the, the legal system, comes down on him with all hammer. And I think they will. Um, you know, I don't think there's any question or doubt about that. You, you think about uh, a 53-man roster for uh, the New Orleans Saints and how, how to crack that. And, and the, the biggest promise is going to be all the, the players that, that come back healthy. And you hope it's Winston and Taysom Hill and Michael Thomas and Marcus May and Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner, who have all ended OTAs in various stages of injuries and injury recoveries. But a 53-man roster, if all healthy, man, that's a pretty darn good roster, I think. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, you know, and and I've said it before. I believe that the New Orleans Saints, position by position, 
have the best and deepest roster in the National Football League. Uh, you know, John <laughs> Hendricks and I, we both each published a piece so far, uh, you know, giving our our pre-pre-training camp 53-man roster projections. Uh, and you know, I, I know both of us are going to change, uh, you know, as will I, uh, others I am quite certain of. Uh, but it was it was very de- – and one of my enjoyments out of doing pieces like that is I like to kind of find a dark horse uh, you know, and, and, and I'm that guy that sits at the horse track saying, you know, I, I, I like that 80 to one horse right yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's very difficult to find. There's a lot of players that I like, uh, you know, that are going to be in, you know, this saints training camp that in past years, I would say, yeah, I think they're going to make the roster, but I just can't find a place for some of these guys, uh, at the, with the depth that new Orleans has at every position, it's going to be a very, very fun training camp to watch but a very, very intensely battled training camp at pretty much every position for this team. And we'll see the emphasis. I mean, you've got five cornerbacks that are out there with Lattimore, Adebo, Roby, Taylor, and Bryce Thompson, who's been getting rave reviews. And the safety position, there's about six of them out there. So do you put out of your 53-man roster 11 from the secondary? How do you do? How do you how do you determine what your depth factor is? You could very well do that, uh, and you know the the question then becomes uh, because I, you know, I was having the same kind of difficulty when I looked at the wide receiver position. Do the Saints keep six wide receivers? Uh, you could pretty much guarantee four spots just by looking at the the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they do that kind of thing, where do they sacrifice? Do they keep one less tight end because they're going to you know, indeed play Taysom Hill more right, there? Right. Uh, would they roll the dice and only keep two quarterbacks, uh, you know, letting Ian Book uh, you know, hit the waiver wire and hoping to bring him back on the practice squad? Uh, you know, do you take the flyer on uh, kind of an unpromised defensive a, a sorry, an inexperienced defensive back like Bryce Thompson over a more experienced guy like Daniel Sorensen, mm-hmm. who you know have been in those NFL battles. Uh, you know, how about a guy like Justin Evans, bad, you know, extremely talented young man, battling his way back from you know, t- you know, two devastating Achilles injuries. Uh, you know, if he looks sharp, are you going to roll the dice saying, all right, I know he's talented when he's healthy. Is he going to stay healthy enough for me to keep him over us an established guy like Sorensen or over a promising guy like Bryce Thompson. Yeah. Uh, you know, what about a guy like taco Charlton? Yeah. First round, you know, first round talent. Uh, you know, do you see that potential in him and, you know, keep him on the roster, uh, you know, in the process, you know, jettisoning a, a proven special teams talent, like a Zach Vaughn or somebody like that. I mean, all kinds of questions that this team is going to have to, you know, that these players are going to have to answer. Golly, um, you know, you think about the wide receiver position. They got the biggest overhaul. Thomas, if he's healthy, Alave, Jarvis Landry, your boy, the, the you love Deontay Hardy, Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway. They got an undrafted rookie, Rashid Shahid. Um, they, they gave him some guaranteed money. Yep. He's a great kick returner. So what do you do with him? And then Kirk Merritt uh, had some big plays in the OTAs and minicamps. So, it's tough decisions. It's it's cool. I mean, the cream rises to the top, as the old cliche goes. Yeah, and it'll have to at a lot of these positions. Uh, you know, you mentioned those wide receivers. 
I'm a big fan of Aesop Winston too. Yeah. Uh, you know, coaches talked about how much, how much more mature, uh, you know, uh, K1 Baker, the seventh round pick last year, uh, you know, looked in just an off season in the program. Uh, you know, the saints rarely keep six wide receivers and never keep six active wide receivers. Uh, and, you know, just to name it, you know, if Thomas is healthy, you got Thomas Landry, Alave, Hardy, uh, Callaway, Traquan Smith. Well, those are your six. Yeah. Uh, you know, it doesn't leave much wiggle room for those other guys. I think that this is a position where you could see a veteran get traded, uh, possibly to recoup uh, you know, a, a day two draft pick uh, you know, leading into 2023. Maybe a guy like Callaway or Traquan Smith could be on the trading block because, in my opinion, those guys are far too talented to just cut uh, you know, and, and take your losses. Uh, you know, if they have a poor camp, certainly they could be surpassed by a guy like Kirk Merritt, who's an early training camp darling, uh, or Aesop Winston. Uh, you know, Deontay Hardy's coming into a contract year. He's mm-hmm. one of the, he's one of, if not the best return artists in the National Football League. But if Rashid Shahid is as impressive once the preseason games start as a returner as people say he is uh, and was certainly in college, uh, you know, it, do you maybe put Deontay on the trading block you know, rather than pay him? Uh, yeah, pay him yeah. or lose him after the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Marcus Davenport coming into a contract year. Uh, yeah, who's going to step up to provide some depth along that edge? Uh, yeah, same with David Onyema. We haven't even talked about a free agent addition like Kentavis Street, uh, who, who I think is going to have a big year for yeah. this team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so much depth and so much talent all over the board. I'd rather have too much than too little, right? Too Always. much than too little. But uh, offensive line, how many do they normally keep? Eight, nine? Where do they go with that? They usually try to keep nine. Uh, okay. You know, with that ninth guy kind of being a guy that they'll you know, they'll swing. cut and bring back and yeah. you know, back and forth a little bit. Uh, yeah, but again, your know, offensive line. Yeah, you, know, you have your starting five, and let yeah, you know, let's for argument's sake, let's put Penning in the starting five. Uh, you know, you have two terrific starting caliber depth guys uh, at six and seven with James Hurst and Calvin Throckmorton. Right. Uh, you have another guy, you know, another guy coaches love uh, in Landon Young. You know, right. that gives you eight. Uh, you have Forrest Lamp, who's an experienced starter in that league, is nine. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ethan Greenidge, uh, who I never particularly cared for, but I'm not the one coaching. Yeah. Uh, and the coaches have always loved him. Uh, you know, Greenidge missed all of last year. Yeah, who who didn't for the Saints team? Uh, yeah, missed all of last year. Uh, but coaches say that he is in a you know, mix for a legitimate spot. Uh, you know, that's ten. Uh, you know, where where do, again? Just like the other positions we talked about, where do you cut your losses? Who's going to step up? Who's going to underperform and you know maybe play themselves? And not only in past years we talk about playing yourself out of a starting spot. This year's veterans could be playing themselves out of a roster job yeah. uh, if they slip up a little bit too much. Uh, I'm telling you, um, you like the linebacker room: Demario Davis, Pete Werner, Caden Ellis, Zach Bond, Demarco Jackson. Uh, I don't like Zach Bond. Uh, you know, okay. not as a line. He's not a fit in this defense. Uh, you know, yet at the same time, Zach may Zach stands a good chance to stick on the team because of how good he is on special teams. I love Demario Davis and I love Pete Warner. Uh, you know, you know, I love DeMarco Jackson. 
Caden Ellis is an extremely solid downhill linebacker. You never, ever want him in coverage, uh, but he's okay. a good early down guy. Uh, and Eric Wilson is an under-the-radar free agent addition. Uh, you know, just less than two years ago, he led the Minnesota Vikings with 120-some-odd tackles. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy... Uh, he's a smart defensive guy, can pick up your system quick. Uh, you know, inside guy, strong side guy, he's not, uh, not a player you want in space very much. Uh, but I look for Eric Wilson to be a factor in this linebacking uh, uh, job too. Uh, and there's still a guy, yeah, I do like the linebacking room right now. Uh, yeah, but if a DeMarco Jackson comes along a little bit slowly uh, or Eric Wilson doesn't pick up the defense as quickly as they'd like, uh, there, there's that familiar name, Quan Alexander, still floating out there, yeah. too, on the free agent market. We shall see. Um, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Uh, you always bring it, big guy. I can't thank you enough. Have a great, great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next time, buddy. Thank you so much. For sure, and I thank you. You and your family have a great week, Jordy. All right, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're back 54 minutes, 55 minutes after the hour and at the College World Series. They're now heading to the top of the eighth. The Texas A&M Aggies lead Notre Dame five to nothing. Five zip um, Aggies over the Irish in an elimination game. Elimination game number two tonight. Somebody from the SEC is going home. Is it going to be Arkansas? Or is it going to be Auburn? Meanwhile, in the uh, the catbird seat, the Oklahoma Sooners with no losses on their side of the bracket and Mike Bianco and the Ole Miss Rebels with no losses on their side of the bracket. They will await the winner of the two games today. Uh, Ole Miss will either play Auburn or Arkansas. Oklahoma will play either A&M or Notre Dame. And it certainly looks like it's going to be A&M. Absolutely. Um, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com wants to help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. If today, the first day of summer, June 21st, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Hope you have a great day with cake and ice cream with your family and friends and loved ones and maybe a present or two. You share your birthday with the number one golfer in the world, Scotty Scheffler, who turns 26 years old today. So I want to thank our guest, John Chepkevich, with the NBA Draft Update, Grant Hughes, all things NBA, and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. 
with all things with the Saints and with the NFL. 53-man roster will be tough to break it, uh, but the Saints, if healthy, certainly have a legit shot, in my opinion. And if Jameis Winston plays uh, well, plays well. All right, James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until next time, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Believe me, these head colds suck. Um, Be kind to one another, and uh, let's all be happy. So long, everybody.